Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia. For more information on the shows and the network, visit podcastnetwork.asia and Podmetrics, the only analytics you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up for free at podmetrics.co and use my referral code RJ Ledesma. Today, we have about 20 countries uh, offering residence or citizenship for passive investors, for investor migrants who do not need to speak the language, who do not need to set up a business or run a company, and in many cases do not even need to move uh, to the country. And hello, everyone. Welcome to the RJ Ledesma podcast. On our podcast, I interview the countries and the world's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs and learn more about how they think about business, what are their success secrets, and how they innovated their business during the pandemic, and what opportunities they are seeing that are emerging in the new normal. Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview on the RJ Ledesma podcast? Please let me know. Drop me a message. Now, during this pandemic, we have seen the rise in the number of high net worth individuals and families, including Filipino families, that are looking into what they are calling right now, quote unquote, pandemic passports wherein these families and individuals secure passports in countries that have strong national healthcare systems and that have adequately managed to contain the spread of the coronavirus within their own borders. Now, prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, securing these quote-unquote second stronger passports were primarily to gain visa-free access to more countries uh, to protect one's assets or to reduce their tax liabilities. But... During this pandemic, many people and many high net worth individuals have been investing in second passports primarily for their families' health and safety considerations. And some of these countries even allow you to secure second passports without even having to leave your home country. And I understand this is what they call citizenship by investment. And here tonight, I'm here to speak with uh, from the Arten Capital, he is the managing director and head of Asia Pacific of Arten Capital. A good friend, my guest, the Honorable Philippe May. Philippe, how are you doing over there in Singapore? Good evening. Thank you. We are fine, except that we cannot leave our little island. <laughs> you have 7,000. We have only one. So we have to yeah, but I guess the common denominator is that I also can't leave really my part of the island right now to visit the other islands here uh, around the Philippines. And uh, Philippe, I, <laughs> the same here. Now, I, this is very interesting because, Philippe, we've got really people listening from here in the Philippines and all over the world. And I understand you're actually multilingual. So maybe we can greet people, I guess, in English, in German and in, in Mandarin. Of course. Anything goes. Please go ahead, uh, Philippe. Let's greet our friends first, I guess, in, in, uh, in German. In German. Guten Abend, meine Damen und Herren. Willkommen zu diesem Podcast. Okay. And how about uh, in Mandarin? Perfect. It happened in Singaporean. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot laugh. <laughs> we talk proper English. <laughs> Again, thanks so much for joining us here, Philippe. Uh, many people have grown more and more curious about this citizenship by investment, particularly uh, during this period of the pandemic. But before I get into that one, you yourself, you're sort of like your own type of global citizen uh, because you are actually Swiss by birth, but you're actually Singaporean uh, by choice. Tell us a bit more about your own global citizenship journey. Uh, that's true. I walk the talk. So I am Swiss by descent uh, from birth, yes. 
But Switzerland doesn't have birthright. It's not that I'm Swiss because I'm born there. I'm Swiss or I was Swiss because my parents were Swiss at the time mm -hmm. when I was born. Uh, they are still. Um, and I moved to Singapore in 2006 as a bank director. Uh, and two years later, 2008, I became a Singapore citizen. That was very fast uh, because I took this decision uh, very early uh, that I want to move forward with the citizenship. Singapore is full of expats, or now it's getting less, but used to be full of expats. Mm -hmm. uh, I already knew back then that uh, when times get tough, when a rainy day comes, the first that have to leave are the expats, employment pass, work permit holders, and then later they will cut down on the permanent residence even. But the citizens, they can always stay. The rainy mm -hmm. day has come. Today I had lunch with a lady from Hong Kong, very brilliant lady, uh, who is still uh, not holding even a PR, although she has been here longer than me. And I oh, asked wow. her, why didn't you do it? And she said, well, I, I didn't see the reason why. Now you see it. So those who applied, at least for a permanent residence, uh, they did the right thing. They didn't lose anything. They didn't give away anything. Uh, those who even became citizens, they had to give up their old citizenship. So I had to renounce my Swiss citizenship. There is no free lunch in Singapore. You have to make a choice. But generally, those who made it, they are happy with it. And uh, they are happy to be in Singapore. And how did you pick up Mandarin? Uh, did you pick it up when you were in Switzerland or when you moved over here to this side of the world? Both. I, I started uh, in Switzerland, but my level was very bad. And before coming to Singapore, I spent one year in uh, greater China, mainly uh, in Taipei on Taiwan, uh, but also in Shanghai on the Chinese mainland. I see. And now, currently, you are, uh, you are the managing director of Art and Capital. And from what I understand, Art and Capital is a, a global citizenship advisory and investment firm. And what this basically means is that you help people uh, become global migrants or to get to, to choose to go to countries uh, where they can actually secure citizenship through investment. I didn't realize that this sort of global migration or citizenship by investment was was an industry, was a very big industry. Can you tell us a bit more about uh, what this, how how big is this uh, global citizenship industry, and how did it evolve? All right, let's start uh, historically in Canada. Canada in the 1980s decided that they want immigrants, not only uh, skilled labor, but also investors, wealthy people who do not uh, have a specific uh, profession that's in high demand, but who have capital that they can invest in Canada. People who may not be active as entrepreneurs, but who bring in uh, funds, and uh, Canada set up an investor migration program for passive migrants, wealthy migrants, who bought government bonds in Canada, which gave them the right to move to Canada if, of course, some other conditions were fulfilled. Um, St. Kitts and Nevis, a small Caribbean island state, mm -hmm. uh, became independent in the early 1980s. And around the same time, it lost its major industry, which was the sugar industry. No more okay. sugar exports. So St. Kitts and Nevis had to look for other revenues. And they realized since they are an independent country, their citizenship, their passport actually has a value. At that time, a lot of people, especially in Hong Kong, were very afraid of the handover that is going to take place in 97. That was just about 10, 15 years away. So a lot of People from Hong Kong invested in St. Kitts and Nevis in order to become citizens of the country. So that's the very early stage, Canada, St. Kitts and Nevis. That's where it started. Today, we have about 20 countries uh, offering residence or citizenship for passive investors, for investor migrants who do not need to speak the language, who do not need to set up a business or run a company, and in many cases do not even need to move uh, to the oh. country. Wow. So let, let's, let's, let's just go through it again. They don't have to, to leave their country. They don't have to set up a business. They don't even have to have any residence there. They just have to invest in that country. Is that right? They have to invest. That's correct. And of course, they have to fulfill other conditions. So they have to be of 
excellent character. They have to have a stellar reputation. They cannot have criminal records, etc., etc. So it's not that you can buy citizenship. That's not mm-hmm. possible. Okay. Buy means you pay money for something, you get it, you take it. It's an exchange, that's it. It's not as simple as that. So countries that offer citizenship by investment, they waive certain conditions for the citizenship, like the residency requirement, but they raise other conditions like the investment, while the rest remains the same. So people have to be clean, have to have a good background, have to show who they are, how they made their money, what is the source of funds, etc., etc. So it's not uh, a citizenship for sale, but it's true. It's a fast-track option. It's possible to do it within a few months, and it's possible to do it without leaving the home country. And you don't. Oh, you were saying earlier on that you don't have to speak the language necessarily of the country where you invest in, right? Because I know some other countries, uh, like I, I guess, like in France or other countries, you have to be able to be have a certain level of fluency aside from just living there, a certain level of fluency to to secure citizenship. That's the case in many countries, but not everywhere. I see. Um, can you just give us a scale of how large this 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 global uh, citizenship investment industry is? Well, um, there are figures. Uh, you can calculate them. If you know the countries involved and the amounts involved for each country, which uh, is between 2 million euro investments in Cyprus and $100,000 donation in Caribbean countries, Uh, and the number of applicants, you come to a figure of several billion U.S. dollar a year. So this is not a small industry. This is significant. Uh, Unlike uh, other industries, a lot of um, the people involved, a lot of the applicants, however, prefer to remain confidential, do not want the public to know that they have applied for a second passport somewhere. Sometimes they brag about it. Sometimes they tell their friends. But in many cases, they prefer not to mention about it because they treat it as something private, which is legitimate. So we do not always see the exact size. Some countries, they publish very very exact, very precise figures. Antigua and Barbuda, for example, you can go to the government website and you can find all the figure of applications, approved, rejected, country of origin, everything. And you have other countries which barely provide any details. So we I do see. not know the exact uh, figures, but we know it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Wow. I didn't realize that until now. Um, and if you were to take this to the experience of, of a Filipino right now, no, I mean, for many Filipinos, usually the idea of getting citizenship in another country or another passport is, is uh, associated with migration, that, that you really have to live in that country and you don't really have to make an investment in that country, but you just migrate. So can you just help me understand? There is, uh, there is uh, citizenship by migration, there is citizenship by investment, and there is citizenship by residency. Can you help me understand or, or how do I reconcile all these three different uh, uh, passports or citizenships that you can acquire? There are different ways to acquire Uh, citizenship, to do a naturalization, to become a new citizen of a country. Uh, One is by descent. If you discover that you have ancestors of a certain country, which allows uh, descendants of their citizens to take up citizenship, Mm -hmm. uh, you qualify for citizenship by descent. That is uh, almost in every country when it comes to direct parents but it's much less country when it comes to grandparents or third-distance ancestors. But still, if you have a great-great-great-grandfather from Poland, you are entitled to get citizenship in Poland. You just have to prove it. Um, Then you have citizenship by marriage. That's very rare nowadays. used to be very common in Switzerland. You got married uh, 30, 40 years ago. You became a Swiss citizen immediately, at least if you were a woman who got married to a Swiss gentleman. Uh, Today, there is still countries like this, but very few and only in Africa, to my knowledge. 
Then you have citizenship by residence. That's what you meant when you say citizenship by immigration. You by immigration, okay. In the country, you spend five year, ten year, twelve year, whatever amount of years in the country, physically, and then you can apply for citizenship. And then you have citizenship by investment, which means you commit yourself uh, financially to a country, make a contribution, make a good deed, and that qualifies you as well for citizenship, as always with other conditions that apply. If normally you cannot uh, apply even uh, by residence if you have a criminal background, if you do not meet the, the minimum uh, criteria, same for citizenship by investment. Okay. So, so that basically means that the advantage that you have uh, in securing citizenship by investment is, for example, um, you, you cannot leave your, you cannot stay out of your country for the longest time because your business is based, let's say, here in the Philippines, uh, but you exactly. want to secure a citizenship outside. You don't have to live in that country uh, to secure citizenship, right? You can just invest in that country. Uh, if you have the proper requirements and criteria, you can just invest in that country to secure citizenship. Is that right? Correct. So at Artin Capital, we deal a lot with entrepreneurs, with people who have a business to run in their home country. Often these countries are emerging countries like the Philippines, like Indonesia, like Vietnam uh, or India. Uh, that's where the people run the business. That's where their physical presence is required for them in order to keep the business going. So they cannot just leave and spend five years in New Zealand in order to become New Zealand citizen. So they want the second passport. They want the second home because they need a plan B. They, they want to, to go somewhere else. Maybe we talk about the motives later, but people cannot just leave the place. Sometimes they have family commitments uh, mm -hmm. that requires them to stay where they are. Yet they still like to apply for a second passport. And that is absolutely possible. If they provide the right uh, civil documents, if they provide uh, documents regarding their source of funds, they can apply for citizenship in some countries which do not need them to travel there, to sit for an interview there, or to spend any time physically in that country. Well, very interesting. Now, I'm just curious to find out right now, uh, we're talking about you know getting other passports or citizenships, right? And let's talk about the status of, of the Philippine passport. Just how strong is this Philippine passport? I, I know that you know being Filipino, we really have to get a lot of a lot of visas in different countries, no? Um, but you know, you've seen the perspective of us compared to our other Southeast Asian neighbors. Just how strong is our passport in in uh, in comparison? Well, if you want to know exactly how lousy the Filipino passport is, you go to passportindex.org. There you can see the ranking. Uh, Philippine passport is really weak, I'm sorry to say. Uh, even compared to other ASEAN countries like uh, Singapore, Brunei, Malaysia, uh, Philippine passport doesn't take you many countries. So travel is restricted. Uh, that's why people who need greater mobility, they look for a second passport that allows them to travel visa-free to Europe, to Commonwealth countries. And Besides that, we also deal with people who want a second residence. So some Filipinos do not mind uh, keeping their Filipino passport, but they want to have another country of residence, usually in Europe, so that they can go there without asking for a visa uh, anymore. And if okay. you have residence in one EU country, you can then travel to the other EU countries as well. You don't need extra visas anymore. And that's quite a large space. That is over 30 countries where you can visit without applying for a visa if you just have residency right in one of them. Okay. Just to be clear, uh, when you secure, uh, when you do citizenship by investment through Arton, there is no need for you. You, you are not, you don't have to give up your Philippine passport. You can keep your Philippine passport and then get another one. So there's no need to renounce your Philippine citizenship. Is that right? Correct. That's correct. Uh, the countries which provide uh, citizenship by investment do not require the applicants to renounce their original citizenship. I see. And then when you talk about the Philippine passport again, let's go back to that. When you were saying it's, it's, 
it's uh, relatively weaker versus our other neighbors, which is Indonesia, I guess, Thailand, Malaysia. Is there any particular reason why our, our passports are not as strong as these others? I would think that we are at the same level of development. What are the other considerations that, that countries have to say whether or not a country should, should have a visa-free access or not visa-free access to their, to their countries? Well, there are different criterias. Uh, sometimes the criterias are not uh, transparent. Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes political aspects play a role as well. And countries also can influence other countries to sign up for bilateral visa waiver agreements. Some countries are very good at that, very active in that. Others do not pay attention to that. Uh, some countries do not even want their citizens to leave. They are happy if they need visas everywhere. Uh, so all this plays a role. I see. But then, um, ha- having having said that, um, if, if we look at the the Philippine, uh, if we look at getting a second second passport or a second citizenship, is visa alone the primary consideration? Why is it important to get uh, passports with stronger visas? Oh, I mean. With, with your passport, I mean, it would make sense if if it could if you could get a passport that would give you an access to, I guess, uh, the U.S., EU, UK, because in the Philippine mind, those are the, the, the three, I guess, three countries where you would want to have easy access to. But why why is it important to get stronger visas uh, on a, a passport that can give you stronger visas or or more access to visa-free countries? Well, if you are uh, globally active, if you are a traveler, be it for leisure or for business. Uh, you will certainly appreciate that you do not need to apply for a visa in every single country you go to, which currently is the case for Filipinos, except for Southeast Asian countries. Uh, but visa-free travel, as we observe it in art and capital, is not the only reason why people apply. People also want peace of mind. They want a plan B. They want to have a home somewhere in a different region of the world where they can go to if things go wrong. Uh, now things are going very wrong, and now we are all kind of stuck. We, we can't go out if we don't have a permanent residence somewhere else. They wouldn't let us in. Uh, but if we do have that, if we have a golden visa in Portugal or a permanent residence in Bulgaria, or if we have a passport in Cyprus, we can go there. We are allowed. They let us in. We are part of the community there. So it gives us greater uh, freedom. It gives us peace of mind. And in these difficult times, uh, that's very valuable. We don't know how the world will be shaped in another 10, 20 or 30 years. Maybe there is World War III. Maybe there is another pandemic even worse than this. Who knows? So having a second passport or a second residence protects you from potential danger of any kind. Maybe there is other dangers that we do not even think of. So if you have uh, the resources to take up such a plan B, do it now and make sure that in the next pandemic, you're free to go, that when travel is open again, you can travel hassle-free. And of course, another consideration is asset protection. If you have more than one passport, it's better and easier to protect your uh, assets, your financial assets, your global assets, uh, than if you have only uh, one passport. Governments by nature uh, tend to have taxes, uh, increase taxes. So people want to protect themselves and go where they are treated best. So they want to have the option to go another country in case their own country becomes unreasonable in terms of taxes or other financial burden on the citizens. So that, that means that technically I can register my assets or my income in, in another country under my other citizenship. Is that right? If you have income somewhere else, you can uh, declare it uh, over there as a local income and tax it at the local rate in that country. That's correct. I see. Um, now, so that means that uh, to step back, that, that, what, the, what, this just, what this just means is that it's really a plan B. Uh, aside from the visa-free access, it's really a plan B because... To my mind, many of these high net worth Filipinos who can secure these second citizenships are already well traveled. So to get to, to get something just for the purposes of, of having more visa fee travel might not be that much of an incentive. I mean, to my mind, is that correct to think? Because that's what I'm thinking no, right now. No, and, that's not and, correct. No. Oh, okay. Tell, tell me, tell me more. Alone, yeah. The visa free travel alone is worth gold because mm-hmm. if somebody 
chooses to invest in a citizenship, normally the person doesn't do that alone. Normally the person does it together with family members, spouses, children, sometimes parents or parents-in-law. So on one application, you can have four, five, six, seven, or even more people. And if you calculate how many uh, travel all these people will do in the rest of their life, it's not insignificant. People spend huge amounts of money for, for things like a car. But a car, well, people need cars, but a car, let's say it's a luxury car, it costs you $200,000, $300,000. For that amount, you can get second passports for your whole family and travel visa-free until the end of your life. While your mm-hmm. car, you may have to scrap it after five or six years. I so see the visa-free travel alone is a very, very big incentive that cannot be underestimated. And also, don't forget, uh, getting visas may become even more difficult, especially with these uh, pandemic uh, issues. But besides the traveling, besides the mobility, uh, people have other considerations. Sometimes education for children. If you take up residence and then citizenship in a European country, all the European or at least the EU universities are open to your kids. So Filipinos pay high attention to good education, Asians in general, but Filipinos in particular. And so far, they often underestimated Europe. They looked at US, naturally. You have a long history with US and you share a common language. I understand that. But Europe has fantastic universities. And if you can go there, many of them are in English. People are not aware of it because I they are not they don't invest in marketing. They don't need to. So if you have a residence or a citizenship in Europe, access is very easy. And that's what people are looking for as well. Future for the children through residence in a place like Europe. Healthcare. You are there, you're insured. You're part of the community. You can access the health facilities of that country. That's also important. Okay. So what I'm picking up right now is, of course, let's not underestimate uh, the visa-free access because it's really sort of like doing the present value of all that you can, of all the travel that you'll be doing in your life. If you compute all that one versus, let's say, getting a luxury car, it might be better to invest in something like uh, uh, visa-free access or visa-free travel. Uh, of course, you're talking about uh, quality of life, particularly for your children. If you have kids, young kids, and I guess you want to invest, it would be it would be opportune to think about getting uh, these uh, second passports. But let's talk a bit more about uh, asset protection and reduction of taxes. I know that these are two very major reasons. Maybe you can explain those a bit more. Can you elaborate a bit more on on why these things might become of, of very big importance for people looking at uh, at these second passports? You see, more and more countries are shifting to a U.S. system of citizenship-based taxation. That means if you leave overseas, if you don't live in your country, you still have to pay tax to the home country. And that's what people don't want. So we have seen just this year India making an announcement in this regard. China has taken first steps uh, towards global taxation. So people need to protect themselves. If people don't want to be uh, controlled by their government forever, if they want to have another option to go, to leave, and to not be held back with global tax, they need a second passport for that. I cannot speak for each and every case because every individual, every family has a different situation. But what is the same for everyone is that if you have another citizenship, you have more options. Not everybody can be a citizen of Monaco or the Bahamas where there is no tax at all. Then you don't need it, of course. Mm-hmm. Singaporeans generally don't need it either. Singapore is very low tax, very liberal. Uh, but other countries are not like this. And in many countries, you also uh, have issues with corruption. You deal with government officials mm-hmm. that may not treat your tax information confidentially. So people need to protect themselves uh, from such risks and a good way to do is no more the offshore company. That's something of the past. Before 10 years, 20 years ago, you open a company in the BVI or in the Marshall Island, that's it. The bank account in Switzerland, the numbered account, that was secret. Finished, no more. 
nowadays, if you want to protect your assets, your privacy, if you want to keep data confidential, don't look for secret accounts or offshore companies. Go for a second passport and make a proper setup with a tax planner so that you have a legal uh, way uh, to structure your assets around your new citizenship. Very interesting. Now, having said all that one, what should now be my deciding criteria of which country to invest in? I mean, there are many things you can, you can either think about. Um, you've got, you said, visa-free access, uh, asset protection, and you also have, I guess, opportunities uh, to live and work for your children. So how do you know uh, which, which should be most, which is prim- what should be primary to you? The priorities depend. At Arctic Capital, we have clients from all walks of life. Um, maybe we have a look at what countries offer citizenship by investment, just to get an idea. You have okay. five countries in the Caribbean, St. Kitts and Nevis that we mentioned earlier, Antigua and Barbuda, Dominica, St. Lucia and Grenada. Very similar English-speaking countries in the East Caribbean, part of the Commonwealth. Four of them have the Queen of England as a head of state. Then you have countries in Europe, Cyprus, an EU member, Montenegro, not an EU member at the time being, nevertheless in Europe and probably going to join the EU very, very soon. Mm -hmm. Then you have other countries uh, that offer citizenship like Turkey. Turkey is not an EU member and probably not going to join either. But uh, the requirements, of course, in terms of... uh, Financial commitment are lower than in Cyprus. Mm-hmm. And you have other countries like Bulgaria, like Portugal, which offer citizenship after some years of residence. So you can become a resident and after two years or five years in the case of Bulgaria or five years in the case of Portugal, you can become a citizen. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I got so, that one. Mm-hmm. So you have different routes you have different regions, and you have different costs. So the question is, how fast do you want your second passport? Where should it be? Does it have to be in Europe? Do you have any interest in Europe? Do you want to go there, maybe? Or are you going to stay in the Philippines anyway, and uh, it is fine to have a passport from a country in the Caribbean where you are not going to leave, but that gives you the travel freedom? Uh, are there any children involved? If yes, uh, would you want them to study abroad, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. It's a multi-dimensional thing. It's not just one or two criteria. It's several um, criteria. Sometimes people have to have to combine. They they want another passport fast, but they don't want to spend two million euro like in Cyprus. At the end, however, they still want the European one. What they do? So they take up the citizenship in the Caribbean take a residence in Portugal, and after five years, they get the European passport on top of their Caribbean one. I see. So so they do a combination. Are you enjoying the RJ Ledesma podcast? Well, we are taking a quick break to tell you about the upcoming 99 Lazada Big Brand Sale. Add to cart now and check out on September 9 to enjoy up to 90% off on Lazada's biggest brands and free shipping with no minimum spend. What are you waiting for? Shop now by checking out the link in the description. Importante ang mag-save, pero bakit marami ang walang ipon? The answer is because we don't spend enough time in learning practical financial strategies. This is Fitz Villafuerte, a registered financial planner, and I'm inviting you to listen to the 80% podcast, kung saan tuturuan ko kayo kung paano yumaman. So join me and let's talk about personal finance on the 80% podcast. Hi, this is Roy Segalar from the Research Department at First Metro Securities and host of the Philippine Stock Market Weekly Podcast featuring timely and relevant discussions on the Philippine stock market and economy in the hope of providing investing and trading guidance to Filipinos. New episodes every Tuesday and as always, your future first. So uh, let's look at this uh, right now. Let's say, for example, what would, since you said that they've got similar criteria or similar, you know, they're more or less similar, all these uh, 
Caribbean nations, what would be their primary consideration, you would think, if they would want to get one of these Caribbean passports? Looking at the Caribbean, it always depends on the family configuration. If somebody applies alone, uh, another country may be uh, the most cost-efficient than if a family of six applies. So in the Caribbean, the main difference is not between the countries and their passports and their travel freedom, although there is some, some differences, but the main difference is in terms of cost. What is the best solution for a family of four may not be mm -hmm. the best solution for a single applicant. I so see, first I step see. Is, what is your family configuration? Let's see which of the five is the most cost-efficient and then look at other factors. Uh, one of the five has a visa-free access to China. If somebody travels very frequently to China, maybe Grenada is the right place. That's the country which has it. Uh, some people, they... Uh, They may want to be citizen of a country that has no diplomatic relations with mainland China. So you can look at St. Lucia or St. Kitts and Nevis that recognize Taipei and Taiwan. Mm -hmm. uh, and some people, they, they do not mind. They just look at the price. They just look at the investment. In any way, all the citizens of these five countries have residency rights in the other East Caribbean countries, something like in the EU. If you're a citizen of Portugal, you can move to Spain or France or Germany, just like in the Philippines, you can move from Mindanao to Luzon and the other way around if you're a Filipino citizen. So same in the Caribbean. If you're a citizen of St. Kitts and Nevis, you can go and live in St. Lucia and so on. Okay. And what would be more or less the, the investment range for any of these countries uh, in, in these Caribbean nations? Start is a donation of $100,000. That's the minimum uh, for an individual or up to a family of four. In Antigua and Barbuda, it's a family of four uh, that needs to donate the $100,000 US dollar. On top of that come government fees and advisory fees, of course, uh, much lower than that. Um, there is other uh, options than donations. You can buy real estate. Or you can buy, in one country, government bonds that don't pay interest, but the capital is guaranteed by the government, and at the end of the term, you get your money back. So, again, different strokes for different folks. Some people, they prefer to pay and walk away. Others, they prefer to uh, purchase a real estate on which there is a holding period in general of five years. And, again, others, they may want to buy a, a government bond where the money is parked and uh, eventually paid back after five or seven years. So basically, many uh, this amount that you pay basically goes to the government most of the time. It goes to the government. You pay it to the government. It's a, it's a fund for the government. And, yes. and I understand for some of these Caribbean countries that actually help support the GDP of the government, that's one of the, that's one of the places that the government makes money through, through citizenship. Is that right? That's correct. So for some of the Caribbean governments, The revenues from citizenship by investment are very significant and make up to half of the budget. Look at Dominica, look at St. Kitts and Nevis. Uh, substantial parts of the government budget comes from citizenship by investment. And now with tourism down, with revenues from their main industry down, CBI, citizenship by investment, becomes even more important to them. I see, I see. So um, how, how just... how? How fast is it to actually secure one of these uh, Caribbean passports? And what, what's the process, basically? It takes about three months. So at our Capital, we want you to provide uh, some initial documents first for that we can uh, make a pre-clearance. And then you will put your civil documents together, your birth cert, your marriage cert, your passport copies, etc. And then we will, as a government agent, Uh, submit the documents to the relevant government unit in the country that you have chosen. Art and Capital is a government agent in each and every of those countries. So we submit the documents on your behalf. Uh, you cannot submit directly. Governments don't allow. You have to go through a licensed agent and government publish the list of the licensed agents so you can mm -hmm. assure yourself you're dealing with the right uh, company. And When we submit the documents, it usually takes about three to four months. It can be faster in some cases, and sometimes things are a bit complicated. It may take a bit longer as well, 
but three to four months is the range. And then you get approved. And after approval, you, you make your payment either for the real estate or for the bond or for the donation. Donation would be directed to the government. And then your citizenship certificate, your passport gets issued within a week or two. Wow, amazing. So how about that? That's perfect. And, and I, I think one of the primary reasons to invest in the Caribbean, in a Caribbean citizenship is, is really, really for the visa-free access. How can you get, how can a small Caribbean country get better access to more countries versus a Philippine passport? I'm just curious, are they higher up in terms of passport strength versus the Philippines? Because I'm just wondering why, why, yes. that's, why that's possible. Yeah. Well, a country doesn't need to be big or famous to have good access. Think of small countries like Singapore, UAE, uh, Monaco, small or even tiny countries, sometimes just a few thousand citizens. Monaco has about 7,000. Why should they have a bad ranking? It's a wealthy country and uh, the citizens of Monaco don't create problems all over the world. Um, similar in Singapore. So wealth is one aspect uh, size is another aspect. If you give visa free to a big country, uh, that may create more uh, potential issues than if you give visa free access to a small countries. In I Southeast see. Asia, for example, uh, there is a small country that is even poorer than the Philippines, which has visa free access to the European Union. That is uh, Timor Leste. How wow. Comes? So Timor Leste is tiny. Timor-Leste doesn't have 100 million uh, people, not even 10 million. Uh, and like the Caribbean countries, Timor-Leste has a strong historic bond with the European nation. In the case of Timor-Leste, it's Portugal. Uh, the Caribbean countries have been, those five East Caribbean countries that do CBI, have been British colonies until the 1970s and 80s. So during those days, they had free movement with the UK, uh, and that was then later taken over uh, to the Schengen countries, they haven't created problems. There are no waves of illegal immigrants or refugees from the Caribbean in the UK or in Europe. So that's the historic background of these visa-free arrangements. And today, with all these wealthy new citizens, the world sees, oh, people from St. Kitts and Nevis, people from Grenada, they are not a problem. They don't overstay their visa. They don't, they don't ask for asylum, they don't, uh, they don't uh, create any problem for us. Let's give them visa-free. So the number of countries where they can travel visa-free is ever increasing. Wow, incredible. Now, we've talked, about, we've talked about the Caribbean countries. Now, let, let's go to the European countries. I think those are the, what people would consider as, the, I guess, the more powerful, uh, st- stronger passports versus, let's say, a Caribbean passport. Tell us a bit more about, about uh, looking at the, the spectrum of the European countries that you represent in terms of citizenship by investment. Which would be uh, the most ideal to invest in? Cannot say. Sorry. At our okay. capital, every <laughs> client is different. Uh, so we cannot just say this is the best one. Otherwise, everybody would be there. If one country were the best, why would the others even have a program? So there is different countries, uh, different programs. Each has a reason to be there. Okay, uh, And uh, so we have to uh, describe each individually. Let's start with the, the Rolls Royce, the best of the best. That okay. is Cyprus. Cyprus. Cyprus is a new member. You can become a citizen in six to eight months. You don't really need to travel there. You don't need to leave there. What you need to do, however, besides, of course, your proper background, you need to invest two million euro in real estate. Plus... You need to donate 150,000 euro to the Cypriot uh, government or government bodies. So relatively high price tag, but very fast track, very good, uh, excellent track record. If you want to go and live in France or Germany or Italy as soon as possible, good luck. Try to go there directly. Very difficult. But becoming a Cyprus citizen and going to live there as a new minted EU Cyprus citizen, no problem. You can do it within less than a year. In, In terms US, of visa, how about, how about visa-free access? Where does, where does, where does Cyprus get you? Uh, Cyprus, like, like all the other EU countries, is visa-free to the highest number of countries in the world. So you can go almost anywhere 
without visa, except of course the the countries where where everyone needs a visa: China, uh, Russia, the the usual suspects. How about the U.S.? Is can you get can you go a visa free access to the states from uh, from Cyprus? No, that's the big exception. Uh, but we believe that this will be the case soon as well because Cyprus is EU and EU wants the US to treat all the EU countries the same. So Cyprus and a handful of others haven't got this visa-free access to US yet, but should be there soon. I see, I see. Okay, so Cyprus is, is the gold, is the, sort of like the gold standard. It's very, it's very fast, exactly. secure it. Yes, Correct. Especially if speed. Then, especially if speed is what you're looking for. If speed is what you're looking for, Correct. Cyprus is the way to go. Okay. If if direct EU citizenship is what you want, Cyprus is the way to go. There is no other country which can give you an EU citizenship as quick as Cyprus. There used to be Malta, but Malta just closed this month, so no more citizenship program in Malta. So the only EU member that has a direct citizenship program left is Cyprus. Okay. And how about the other countries in the EU? Then you have others. You have... Uh, countries like Portugal, which offer you a residency, uh, but you have to be a resident for five years in order to qualify for citizenship. Of course, you don't have to spend the entire five years in Portugal. Otherwise, it would be just as difficult as Canada or New Zealand. You need to spend one week per year in Portugal in order to be eligible for citizenship after five years. One week per year? One week week per per year. Only one. And you need to invest uh, €350,000 in government-approved real estate. So, again, a number that uh, many people can afford, the price of a luxury car. Lamborghini is more expensive than a residence and eventually a citizenship in Portugal. And in Portugal, do you have to be able to speak Portuguese to be able to secure citizenship after you, you do the residency? Yes, you should speak some Portuguese. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be fluent, but you should speak some Portuguese. But for Filipinos, of course, that's not an issue. And then, uh, in terms of the the residency, you you have to you have to fly there just every year and spend. You know, you can just spend like a vacation there, right? I mean, that's the Correct. to my mind, that's my equivalent. Exactly. That's right. That's right. So that takes us to the next one. Uh, let me talk about Bulgaria. Bulgaria mm-hmm. is another EU country, less well-known than Portugal. But in Bulgaria, uh, there is no physical presence requirement at all. You don't need to spend a year there. You get the permanent residence from the beginning, and you can apply for citizenship under a fast-track route already after two years. All you need to do there is buy government bonds for €500,000. No real estate, just government bonds. So that's also a very good way to get into Europe, to get the citizenship there. If you don't want to go through Cyprus, if you want to spend or invest less money, go to Bulgaria. Two years later, you can apply. Okay. How and much no is it to speak the language either. No need to speak the language. Portugal again. How much is Portugal? How much do you have to invest for Portugal? 350,000 euro in Portugal. In some cases uh, where art and capital has uh, real estate available, 280,000 euro. Uh, in uh, Bulgaria, 500,000 euro. 500,000 euro. Okay, so those, those, those covered basically all the... Is, are those all the countries right now covered by, by art and capital? I understand also there's some no, Montenegro. There is more. There is more than that. So... There is also uh, the residency in Malta. As I mentioned, Mm -hmm. Malta does not offer citizenship anymore, but it still offers residence. And Malta may be interesting because Malta is the only English-speaking country among them. Mm -hmm. So in Malta, you can secure a permanent residence right away. Again, no need for physical presence, no need to live there, no one week per year, no language, that's nothing. And what you have to do, you have to buy real estate, for about 300,000 euro. And okay. you have to buy government bonds for 250,000 euro. So it's a combination of the two, but then everybody gets permanent residence. Uh, very convenient. The fifth one that. But, but what I do like you carry? What do you carry, Philip? If it's, if it's Malta, what do you carry? You carry a, a, a permanent. How can you travel with that? Does it give you visa free access to many different countries if you just get no residency in Malta? 
in Malta, if you get the permanent residence, you can travel visa free, but only within the Schengen zone, only within okay. the European Union's uh, travel area. You cannot go to third countries on that. So you keep your Philippine passport, you have a PR for Malta, and on that you can go to Spain or to France or to Hungary or anywhere in Schengen in the Euro uh, travel zone. But you cannot go to US or even to the UK. That doesn't help. Okay. Uh, nevertheless, good program because very quick uh, and uh, very convenient. And of course, uh, Malta, uh, very attractive from a tax perspective as well. I see. I see. Got that. Got that. Okay. And then finally, you had the Montenegro. Montenegro, where you have the flag from behind you. Uh, very visible on the screen, very beautiful. Uh, Montenegro is uh, a beautiful country in Europe. Uh, however, it's not a member of the European Union yet. What does that mean? If you become a citizen of Montenegro, you can still travel visa-free to the European Union. That's not a problem. A Montenegro passport is very good, but it doesn't give you residency rights in the European Union. So you cannot say, oh, let's take the Montenegro passport and move to Italy like with a Cyprus passport. That doesn't work because they are not part of the EU. But for traveling, it's fine. And Montenegro is slated to join the European Union within a few years. 2025 is what we hear from the EU Parliament. So over the time, Montenegro will become an EU country as well. Advantage of Montenegro, it gives you a citizenship directly, just like Cyprus, even faster. Three, four months is enough. Wow. And the cost is only 350,000 euro. So you invest 250,000 in real estate uh, and you make a donation to the government of 100,000. So combined is 350 and the whole family can become a citizen of this uh, European country. And again, it's just that you can, you can, uh, you can travel around Europe visa-free with your Montenegrin passport. Not only around Europe, you can travel to many other countries in the world ah. visa free. Oh, I see. Um, your wife is the honorary consul of Montenegro in the Philippines. She's uh, my consul colleague, and uh, I am happy to work with her on several cases. So she would be able to confirm to Filipinos how good is the Montenegrin passport. That's right. Now, um, there are a lot of passports that you're carrying, but one that, uh, well, a lot of citizenship by investments that you're carrying uh, there under, under uh, art and capital. Uh, but I understand that you don't carry uh, what is very popular here in the Philippines, which is a Spanish golden visa. And, you know, many Filipinos over here have a strong affinity to Spain, basically because of historical and cultural ties. Um, how come we also don't, don't carry a, a Spanish golden visa under, under, uh, under art and capital? Okay, look, at Art and Capital, we deliberately do not offer the Spanish program. And I warn everybody, don't go to Spain, okay? Spain is not a good destination for investor migrants. In fact, in Spain, that's what the promoters say, you can get, as a Filipino, a passport in two years. Now, here we go. The problem is, yes, legally it's true. Filipinos and citizens of former Spanish colonies in Latin America can become Spanish citizens in two years. But, and that nobody tells you, only under the condition that you spend six months per year in Spain. And who is going to do that? So some, some wily agents from Spain who are not really... Uh, government-approved uh, representatives who are not government agents like Art and Capital, who do not offer other investor migration programs. People who offer only one program, only Spain, they tell you, you can become a Spanish citizen in two years if you buy the real estate from us. But they don't tell you that you need to spend six months per year in Spain. So a lot of Filipinos got cheated they paid 500,000 euro for a property in Spain, which in the end doesn't give them citizenship because they cannot spend six months per year in Spain. Of course, if you are retired, if you are 70 and uh, you don't have to take care of children or grandchildren or anything, you may not mind spending six months per year there 
and getting a Spanish passport. But who can do that? Nobody can do it. So, so it's bogus. It's phony. It's a ruse. And of course, people who got cheated, they don't like to talk about it. So you won't have many Filipinos coming forward, going public about having been cheated with a Spanish visa because they are ashamed uh, for the error they made and they don't want to talk about it. But they come to us. They come to Art and Capital. They say... Oh, there have been people, have, have people who have Spanish course, golden visas have, have gone to Art and... They come to Art and later they say, look, we invested half a million uh, because we thought we can get the passport in Spain after two years. And now we have been waiting for two or three years and we still cannot get it. Uh, please help us to get the real passport somewhere. And then we say, well, we are happy to help you. We can take you somewhere else. But why didn't you check other options first? And they say, oh, we didn't know they exist. So look, uh, it's like uh. this. The people who promote Spain residency do not offer you a choice. At Art and Capital, you step in any of our office, in Singapore, in Hong Kong, in Beijing, in Dubai, the first thing you see is a matrix, a matrix which outlines all the 15 country programs that we are working with. And we try to give you proper advice, good information for that you can make an informed decision. What is the best for you? But the people who promote Spain, they do exactly the opposite. They don't tell you anything about Portugal. They don't talk about Montenegro. They don't talk about anything. They just tell you Spain is the best because as a Filipino, you can become a citizen in two years. And that's nonsense. That's just not true. Unless, as I said, you live there for six months a year. And besides that, there are two more problems in Spain. If you spend six months per year in Spain, you become a tax resident of Spain and you are subject to Spanish taxes. And they are not low. That I can tell you. I guarantee you the promoters of Spanish Golden Visa do not warn you about this. Last point, Spain is one of the few countries which expropriates real estate owners. People who own real estate in Spain and who do not live in their apartments can get expropriated at very, very low rates. So you don't get a market rate for your empty apartment. You may get very little money. So be careful with Spain. And unless you can live there full time for two years, don't do it. Don't go to Spain. Okay. Um, having said that, uh, let's move on right now and discuss this current pandemic. Now that we're, we're under this, this pandemic, you know, we've, we're all locked down. You're locked down in Singapore. I'm locked down here in the Philippines. Have the rules of the game changed, particularly for securing these citizenships by investment? I mean, the Caribbean passports, is it, now, is it now just a digital application versus being a, a physical application that you have to submit paper, paperwork? And how about for the European? Does that require you to be physically present to be able to, to secure these, uh, these citizenships by investment or at least to get your, your permanent residence or, or PR? What's happening right now, Philippe? Uh, yes and no. Um, some conditions have been eased. For example, it is possible for government licensed agents like Art and Capital now to initially submit documents online to the relevant government unit. So we still need the originals later. We still need them to be careered from the clients. But initially, we can submit online in some Caribbean countries. Governments can start doing the due diligence so you don't lose time. Okay. Uh, physical visits are also waived in some cases. Uh, Antigua and Barbuda, for example, they required one visit in the first five years. That is suspended for the moment. In Portugal, you need to go once to do the biometrics uh, when you are approved. Uh, you still need to go now, but this uh, test, this biometrics is an essential travel reason. So you will get uh, a permit to go to Portugal, even if normally people from Singapore or from the Philippines are not allowed to go. There is no uh, leisure, there is no tourism uh, to Portugal from those countries. But if you go there to take up your residence, you can go. So there is okay. a few things that make life easier for investor migrants. Governments are smart uh, in that sense. They, they are in... Uh, for the investment, they welcome the people, so 
they listen to uh, common sense, they listen to applicants, they listen to the practitioners in the industry like Art and Capital, they listen to our advice and try to make life easier. I see. And having said that, can you tell me during this period of time, the, the pandemic, you know, it, it, it might be intuitive or counterintuitive to think that did the, did the, the passports actually, they increased during this time and they did not decrease because I'm thinking people right now, if they were high net worth individuals, uh, you know what, they want to save their money instead of spending their money uh, because, you know, you want to keep cash. But right now, you're actually seeing an increase in the number of pandemic passport applications. Is that right? Yes, there is more people applying because more people see the need for a second passport. A lot of people have also been thinking about it back and forth. And finally, the pandemic draw them to the conclusion that they need a plan B, that they cannot just stay in that mega metropolis where they are normally like Manila or Cebu, but they need to be able to go somewhere else outside the Philippines if this happens again. So it showed them a need for a plan B. I see. Uh, now that we're in this pandemic state, uh, has the criteria changed right now for people choosing countries? Because I would think that, you know, in the past, of course, there's, there's, of course, there's asset protection, there's vis-a-vis travel. But right now, have you, have you seen a shift where people are really looking now more at countries where they've got very good uh, national healthcare systems and, and they've been very good at, at controlling or mitigating the pandemic within their borders? And if there are, what are these countries that have been pretty good at, at, at both, at healthcare and securing their borders? That's correct. So uh, in Europe, all the CBI countries have been doing very well during the pandemic. Montenegro, almost no cases. Cyprus, Portugal, very low cases. Which countries have problems? The big countries. Spain, Italy, France. They are not doing well or They didn't do well initially. It's a bit better now. But those countries which offer residency and citizenship, interestingly, they have been doing well. How comes? Uh, Good governments is definitely one factor. And investor migrants, they know about it. Um, UK is another example. UK has big issues with the pandemic. UK used to be a popular place. Now, not so much anymore. And the pandemic is one of the reasons. I mean, who who wants to go and live in London if you know it's one of the coronavirus hotspots? So big is not always beautiful and famous does not always mean good. So, of course, everybody knows London, but it doesn't mean it's the best place to live, especially in this pandemic. So uh, places like UK have become less popular. Countries like Portugal like Montenegro, have become more mm-hmm. popular. And how about the healthcare systems in Portugal, Montenegro, Bulgaria? How are they? Well, they are at the European standard. Uh, they are definitely as good as in the bigger countries like Spain, Italy, France, etc. I don't see much of a difference, but I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you uh, the details. But rest assured, uh, the healthcare system is open to residents, to immigrants to new citizens so you don't get you don't get a a different treatment you don't get the backseat if you are there uh, as a citizen as a legal resident you have access to it that's part of the package okay and having said all this one uh, right now there are a lot of filipinos and i guess uh ofw's overseas filipino workers listening to to this presentation filipino expats living in different parts of the world i think one of the first considerations that they have is that isn't it slightly, you know, the second passport is, seems rather prohibitive because it's only for high net worth individuals. Uh, what would you say to that one? And also, uh, there are many OFWs who live in different parts. In fact, there are many who live in Dubai right now where the, sent, uh, the headquarters of, of Arton is. Um, how can they also apply wherever they are? Can Filipinos any part of the world apply also for, this, for these uh, citizenship by investments? So uh, tell us a bit more yes. about that, Philippe. Uh, Art and Capital is headquartered in Montreal, in Canada, for historic reasons. Our operational head office is in Dubai, that's true, where we also have uh, some Filipino colleagues working with us, of course. Um, and uh, 
Filipinos uh, living overseas are free to apply and approach our offices in Dubai or in Singapore or elsewhere. So there is no restriction on where they are living. It doesn't mean they have to live in the Philippines in order to qualify or to okay. apply for any of the programs. They can be anywhere. And as far as high net worth individuals are concerned, well, it depends on how you define a high net worth individual. Is it 1 million? Is it 2 million in, in assets? Our residency programs start at uh, 280,000 euro in Portugal or 100,000 US dollar in the Caribbean. That's not exactly high net worth only. Of course, you have many high net worth and ultra high net worth individuals who take up these programs, but you have a lot of middle class people as well who want to protect themselves from the uncertainties of life, from the uncertainties uh, of the future and who want to go where they are treated best. And if that's the case, Philippe, does, does Art and Capital also assist? Do they have specific plans where they can you know, pay an installment or amortization or, or you know what, where they don't have to pay it in, in one fell swoop? Not really. So these are details which we discuss with the applicants when they come to us. So what I can recommend is anybody who has a genuine interest in uh, investor migration and who uh, is able to qualify should contact Art and Capital directly by email, by phone. Uh, we are open for business. Come forward, uh, have a word uh, with us, and we will give you the right uh, advice and the right directions uh, to find the proper solution. Again, thanks so much, uh, Philippe, for your time. And uh, for any Filipino or Filipino expat or Filipino living in any other part of the world, if you're interested, you can also get in touch here in the Philippines with uh, enterph.com and attorney Rocky, Rocky Chan, uh, who is in charge of, of course, EnterPH here in the Philippines. Uh, I'm part of EnterPH as well, just as a just as a just to let them, as a disclaimer. And if you'd like to become, if you're interested in securing these. Uh, uh, citizenship by investments, please inquire with us. We're more than happy to help you if you're a local Filipino or a Filipino based abroad. Uh, we've been working with Philippe for many, many years now. Uh, and as an additional disclaimer, like they said, my wife is actually the uh, consul of, of Montenegro to the Philippines, really lovely country. And my dad is the consul of Bulgaria as well to the Philippines, equally lovely country as well. Philippe, any last words for Filipinos considering taking on a global citizenship? Well, you don't even have to be Filipino to apply. If you're an American in the Philippines and you are fed up paying taxes to the IRS and you want to give up your U.S. citizenship, but you cannot do so unless you have a second citizenship, you can contact uh, Art and Capital or Enter PH as well. Uh, you may not be able to get the Filipino citizenship because it requires uh, many years of residence, or you may not want it because it would come with some travel restriction, but you are free to take up uh, citizenship in a third country. So Filipinos, very welcome. Non-Filipinos, equally welcome. There is no discrimination in whatever form. And we are proud to work with uh, Arce Ledesma and his team and his family, which is uh, prominently active in the consular corps uh, of the Philippines. So I had a pleasure to meet them on various occasions. And we had so far a uh, very successful relationship and been able to help many Filipinos to find a solution for their immigration needs. And I hope after this, uh, there will be more chance to work together with Arce and his family uh, and partner friends. Okay. And with that, Philippe, thank you so much. I wish you and your family well and the rest of the Art and Capital family in Singapore. Take care. And uh, we pray for better times. And again, uh, always have your plan B in store for you. Art and Capital is there for that. And with that, thank you so much thank for listening you. to the RJ Ledesma thank podcast. You, thank, you. thank you so much. God we will bless. see you guys again. God bless. We'll see you guys again next week. Thank you very much, Philippe. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.